He's a killer in Missouri. I'm Reggie wow. Bailey. Welcome to Books of Pop Culture. Achilles, how how you hanging today, man? Hey man, today was the last day of school, man. And uh, you know, I, I dropped that uh post where I'm in the I'm in the I'm in the room like Will, you know, I I just swept everything up. I'm in the room like Will. And mm. I was just thinking, you know, um, you know, because I usually would have did like a real um a happy go lucky real, but I was thinking about them folks in Texas. And so I, you know, put some words out. Um, but we we here, you know, we here. Uh my students were I, I I let them all be in my room today. You know, you have like last day of school, they can all kind of hang out and you know, skipping ain't really skipping, you know, and so on and so forth. So we yeah. hung out, man. We talked about we talked about rap, we talked about, you know, a little bit of everything. How you hold? As y'all should, man. Hey man. Um another day in paradise, I, I guess. I mean Babylon, maybe? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Babylon is the appropriate name. Yeah, man. Um like you said, man, it's all about Uvaldi, man. It's all about Uvaldi. Yeah, but yeah, we we sure. here, we hopefully gonna have a good time and yeah, you know, we we sending we sending our best, whatever that may be, man, love, out yeah. to uh Uvaldi. So um <sighs> thank you to first time, last time listeners and everyone in between. Thank you to the fellowship. All of you are appreciated because you could be anywhere in the world, but you are here with us. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe, leave a like, comment, share that you're watching, turn on post notifications so you don't miss us in the future. If you're listening on your favorite podcast app, follow us, subscribe to us, leave a review, share that you're listening, turn on post notifications so you don't miss us in the future. Yes. Special shout to the fellowship because they are Books of Pop Culture's amazing Patreon community, a community that Achille and I biasly and objectively believe is the best in bookish communities, yes, a community yes. you can join at patreon.com slash books of pop culture. By pledging $5 a month, you support the most dynamic of duos in the bookish landscape. You receive access to multiple bonus episodes of BAPC every month. And you'll have the opportunity to provide feedback on new ideas and initiatives before we go live with them. And most importantly, this is more important than everything I just said. You get us one step closer to doing books of pop culture for a living, because ultimately that's the goal. We try and yes. do stuff like this like every day or something like every day, maybe Word. every other day. Who knows? But all the time. Hey, I do it. I, I, we will do it as many days as we can. The, the more if you do. Yes. The more patrons, the more shows. Simple as that. The more shows. It's perfect math. It's perfect math. One thing that we do as a community is we read books together. Um, One said book is going to be South to America. We were initially uh, supposed to discuss that this Sunday, uh, May 29th, but that that has changed due to uh, certain circumstances. So um, we will let you know when we will be discussing this as a community. Totally um, not because I lost the book. I yes, just totally. Back there. You know how it is, guys. I never not- know where my books are. <laughs> <laughs> never, never Achilles' fault, man. Never Achilles' fault. But um, we will be discussing that. We will let you know. Um, June 26, 2022 is All That She Carried by Taya Miles. Uh, yes, that yes. is when we'll be discussing this. This is our June read with BAPC pick. Um, feel free to purchase these books or any other book that you're interested in at bookshop.org slash shop slash books of pop culture. If you do that, then we get a small commission, which equates to a vote of support uh, from you, which we are always grateful for. 
Follow us on Instagram at Books of Pop Culture because we post clips from all of our episodes on our feed and we share upcoming events typically in our stories, probably soon in our feed. And last but not least, if you forgot everything that I just said, you can not only rewind this, but you can also go to booksofpopculture.com. Everything I just mentioned is there and there's more too. Achilles, I know I say this all the time. We got a special guest. We got a special guest, man. We got a we got special a, guest. We got a real special guest today, man. So yes, yes. Let me uh let, let me share his bio. Run it, He's run a it. senior sports and culture writer at Anscape. Uh, for those who may not know, Anscape used to be called the Undefeated. Yeah, yeah. He is a regular panelist on ESPN's Around the Horn. Is the creator of the creator and host of the King of Crenshaw Pod. Which uh, which is a thirty for thirty podcast on the late Nipsey Hussle. He's a proud graduate of Hampton University, which I mean, you know, I, I think he calls it the real HU. I ain't trying to start nothing between Hampton oh, oh, and Howard man. alums or nothing like that. But wow. he might have told me that he went to the real HU. I I, I don't know. Sheesh. I don't know, man. <laughs> and then uh, he's also a proud graduate of Georgetown University, and this is probably the best part of his bio right here i think okay. this is it he firmly believes cash money records taking over for the 99 and the 2000 is the single most important statement the single most impactful statement of his generation that is like right. the best line in a bio i think i've ever seen i i stand by it man i i was i think i've told told you guys you know i'm it's 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 nine nine and I'm in you know I'm in the Miss Lou and I saw that come on for the first time at a Juneteenth celebration at a Juneteenth um, celebration. You no, know, wow. I was very young, but I understood. You know, I understood yeah. uh, when when a Negro spiritual comes on, you have no mm. other choice but to govern yourselves accordingly, and I did. And Juvie was there. This was, yeah. you know, Juvie was just becoming. I mean, he was Juvie, but it was, it was like, this is Juvie, mm-hmm. you know? That's really Juvie. Word. Man, we have none other than Justin Tinsley. You, 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 you. Let me what's put up? mine up too. So we got this, this thumbnail, huh? <laughs> Please. Oh yeah. man, I didn't even bring mine. Yeah. I got one. Oh, <laughs> you the authors, though. We don't. You don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't exist without you. They all pointing down at you. Yeah, that's hey, man, that's look, I appreciate y'all for for rocking with it, man. For sure. That's hey. how we do. No doubt. No and doubt. Yes, we have... Hampton is the real HU. I have no problem saying that. How it was <laughs> first. They were founded yeah. a year before. We're the real HU. Um, and yeah. Cash Money Records taking over for the nine nine. I got I got a shout out my boy Corey Towns. He was the one yeah. that originally just put me on to like that realization. He was like, I can't think of a more important beginning of a song than than mm-hmm. that one." I was like, "Yo, I can't think of a more important like battle cry." Like if you hey. was at a party and you heard yeah. Cash Money Records taking over for the mm-hmm. nine nine in the two thousand, you heard that little violin. <laughs> I guess it's probably like this everywhere, but the Sigmas used to go off when that used to come on. Yeah, so it used yeah, to be like yeah. the time That's where the everybody had to clear out for them. That's that thing. I'll be, be honest with you. 
So I pledged when I was in Hampton, I'm an alpha. And, yeah. you know, I, I I love a good stroll. The the two that I actually knew, I was never like that Greek yeah. person that like strolled everywhere. But, yeah. you know what I mean? And it, look, one of my best friends is a Sigma. And I love that brother to death. <laughs> but I, I I even had to tell him, like, look, bro, the last thing I'm thinking about. It's not for y'all. I'm a new. I'm a new. Nah, nah. I, I, look, I'll do this all day with you when you want to struggle. <laughs> That's all. Come on. I got. I got other. I got other intentions. Yeah. Uh, My yeah. homeboy's a stigma. He be mad when it. <laughs> he be like, I'm not going out there. <laughs> nah, I'm not suiting up. Look, and it's a tough stroll. I've seen it. I'm yeah, like, it's tough, yeah, but like, yeah. y'all could do that to another song too, you know? Like, not that one. <laughs> that so. is, nah, but that is like, see, and y'all both Greek, so maybe I can mm-hmm. ask y'all this and y'all can give me some background. So, like, you how, know how do y'all, and, yeah, like, how did they end up of all the songs though? Like, not even trying to be funny. How they end up of all Baghdad was the thing, is was the thing down here, you know, that um the Outcast. Outcast no, it was a dungeon. Yeah. Yeah, back. That's outcast. Right? Yeah, that's outcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, that's what they more so do. And I think it was like a, I don't know. It, it looks like about maybe five or seven years ago, something happened, and the, yeah. that's when the signal got switched. And you know, you know, we remember what Hope said. You don't, yeah. get, you don't get us back like that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get us on the dance floor like that. I'm a man nah, with pride. Man, you don't do shit like that. <laughs> nah, man, it's like that song, man. But anyways, look, I ain't trying to offend nobody. So <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying the last thing I think about with that song is stroll. I'll, I'll that, stroll, but it ain't gonna be yeah. that type of stroll. Like I'll stroll mm-hmm. to the dance floor. Yeah. yeah, man. I love to the Sigmas, man. Love to the Sigmas. Oh, all love to him. All love to him. Yeah, brother. So yeah, Killer, you gotta ask the magic question, bro. Yeah, so so this is the uh magic question uh that we ask everyone. How are you doing? And we mean this genuinely. If you have like trap gas, you tell us, yo, I got trap gas, <laughs> but I'm here. Um, you know, if the coffee was not as coffee as it should be, you let us know that. And if everything is rainbows and sunshine, let us know that as well. So how you feeling, Justin? Man, uh, that that's such a great question. I think it's uh, it's a very important question to ask, especially mm-hmm. you know with the world we live in. And you know, w- w- before y'all brought me on, I heard y'all talking about it, and and I didn't even know you were a teacher, Achilles. It ma- it yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. You you give off like super cool teacher vibes. Like somebody was like, no, I gotta take I gotta take his class. You know, I can't take yeah, yeah. Mr. Johnson class because he just gonna make me listen to lectures all day. Like you, you seem yeah. like. A, Super, super cool teacher. Everybody rock. We'd be tart, man. We'd be tart. Yeah, man. Nah, I appreciate yeah. it. Um, again, man, I I uh I salute you for, for what you do. I know um with the recent events, you know, what just happened down in Texas, like I I, I can't even imagine how like that's hitting you right now. So when you yeah, ask me yeah. the question, like how am I? It's twofold, you know, like I'm blessed, like uh I I'm in good health. Um, I obviously we'll talk about the book that just came out. That's been getting, uh, at least from what I've seen some really good reviews and it's really hitting people in a real way. And I'm, I'm beyond grateful for that in terms of just the opportunities that have just come my way in just recent times, like the last two weeks. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that, but you know, I'd be remiss to say that like, 
I'm also not so tone deaf to everything that I understand. Like it's a lot of pain going on out there. Like, um, you know, my heart goes out to, you know, the people, uh, the families in Buffalo that were impacted by the, the tragedies at the top grocery store and the, the attack on like, you know, people who look like us yeah, and, you sure. know, the, the, the community in California, I can't remember the actual town, but I know there was the, the mass shooting at the church. And obviously man, mm -hmm. just, you know, just gunning down like, 19 kids and two teachers down in Texas, bro. Like I, I, I've been watching TV all day, man. And like, I had to, I had to turn the channel. I had to get up because I found myself tearing up, you know, like yeah. it, it's yeah. just to know that like we operate in a society where we can't protect like the most vulnerable people, whether, whether it's like el majority elderly in, in Buffalo or the, the kids down in Texas, man. Like it, it, it's just, I'm, I'm blessed, but I also understand that, like, yo, there's a lot of pain going on out there right now, mm -hmm. man. And we we talk about gun violence, man. We, we're gonna be talking about this book, and gun violence is a product of this book. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a long-winded way of saying, like, I'm all right, but in a way, like, I'm not all right. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I'm glad y'all led with that question. Hey, love, love. Yeah. We got we got to. Um and we we appreciate your honest answer. That's why we asked too, because yeah, sure, you know, sure. um we had Damon Young on here and he he spoke to us about how like every time someone asked that, like he lies a lot of times, or just we lie, not yeah, even him. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, lie. Yeah. He gave yeah, and he it mm -hmm. was just like a really good answer, and it kind of like solidified, like, you know what, we gotta continue to ask this. So no, that that's yeah. a that's a powerful question to ask, man, especially you know, I feel that obviously it, I'm I'm amongst peers at this point. You know what I mean? We all live the same type of life in, in a certain way. Obviously, black people are not monolithic. I feel like that phrase has become cliche. But mm -hmm. like in a way we do live, you know, we have similar life experiences. So when people ask us, how are we? Yeah. It, it, it's easier a lot of times just to be like, oh, I'm straight, man. I'm doing great, man. How you doing? And because if you really want to peel back those layers, we can go there, but I don't know if you, if you, the person, not y'all, but you get what I'm saying. The person that yeah. actually asked me, how am I doing? I don't know if you want all that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, our, our, our second question that we lead with, yes. and I, I ask you this in the singular, but just following like your, your journey and everything, right? Feel free yeah. to go as long as you want and, and never apologize for a long wind either. We're here no. to hear you talk. So yeah, whatever sure. you have to say, please say it. We'll respond, you know. Um, For sure. So I always ask, what is the most important lesson you've learned about the business of writing, right? And I think it's very interesting to ask you this because you you have this, it was all a dream that just came out. Yeah. You work with Dwayne Wade on his, uh, what is it? It's like a graphic, they don't call that yeah, a graphic like memoir. photographic memoir. Yeah, photographic. There we go. Photographic mm -hmm. memoir. You know, yep. you you do like your work that you do at Anscape and I'm sure other you know publications as well, right? So yep. like, what I guess is the most important lesson you've learned about the business of writing, or you know, what are some of the most um, important lessons you've learned about the business of writing in your journey? Man, that's that's such a phenomenal question, and I I would say two of the most important lessons that I've learned is one trust your own trust your own voice and understand that like there's always room to get better 
Like, I started with ESPN in 2015. Yeah, the top of 2015. And uh, Reggie, you know, we, we were talking before the show. Like, I, I graduated from Hampton in 2008. And yeah. uh, if people remember, you know, what was going on in the world around then, that was when the recession hit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was I was angry when I graduated because it's like, Dog, I did everything that you know life and society has asked me to do. I got good grades. I graduated from high school. I went to college, got great grades there. I was active on campus. I joined all these clubs. I did everything you were supposed to do. And then I graduate into like the biggest economic downturn since you know my grandmother was born with the Great Depression. And Mm -hmm. it just felt like for every college graduate that year in 2008, I'm not just talking about from Hampton. I'm not just talking about from HBCUs. I'm talking about every college graduate that you could find in 2008. It felt like it was like a hundred jobs for like a million graduates. Yeah. And so, you know, at Hampton, I was the dude that was always known as like, I had all the new music. So like the new Wayne mixtape that would come out, I would have it. And, the, and I ain't going to lie to you. I would always be the dude who's like, I'm not just going to give you a blank CD like Lil Wayne, Drought 3, or whatever mixtape, thousand mixtapes he was coming out with back then. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. like, no, I'm going to get the little CD cover. I'm going to print the, the the cover of the mixtape. And on the back mm-hmm. of the CD, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a track list for you. So I was like, I was really big on presentation and how I presented my work to people. And I say yeah. that for a reason. And you'll understand when I, when I get to it in just a few seconds. So... I was big, real big on presentation. I would always, I, I was always the guy on campus that had the new music for students, professors, whoever wanted it. Like I, yeah. I look, that that was my way, that was my hustle when I was in school. Like that was the way that I had money for uh, pizza and you know other activities as well. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> the extracurriculars. So, yeah, extracurriculars for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. So once we graduated. Everybody kind of obviously once you graduate, everybody disperses to different parts around the country. So what I did was I created my own website and I would post like new music there or I would post, you know, things around sports and pop culture that I was interested in. Just like real short blurbs, not like maybe like 200 words at the most. One day, one of my homeboys hit me up and he was like, yo, tens, like uh, I love what you're doing with the website. I go there every day. But I think you need to post less music, but write more. And he and I was mm-hmm. like, the hell type of sense does that make? Like, why would I <laughs> yeah. write more? That takes up more time. Keep in mind, right. I'm living in Chicago at this point in time. And because I had a job, they got cut before I started it. And I moved to Chicago for the job. And so I'm like, wow. huh. So I'm like, man, that don't make no sense. And he was like, dog. And you know how sometimes it's your homeboys that got to, like, call you out and, like, hold you yeah, account. Yeah. Like, Mm. You're like, bro, you ain't got no job. What else you got to do? And I'm like, fair <laughs> points. Friday, you ain't yeah, got no exactly. job. It was one of those situations. It was, it was definitely shy, shy. Some Friday stuff for real. Mm. And um, so I started doing it. And I started doing it more and more. And I just kept writing. And I'd always been intrigued by the writing game, right? And so I grew, obviously, I grew up in the 90s. And I knew from a very early age, I was not going to be Michael Jordan or Penny Hardaway. I knew I wasn't going to be King Griffey Jr. or Barry Bonds. I knew I wasn't going to be Barry Sanders 
or you know what I mean anybody that I admire like in in sports but what I did love I love the sports illustrated I love Stuart mm-hmm. Scott you know what I mean I love the vibe I love vibe in the source and I just love the stories about how like they took these like iconic figures and like humanized them in a lot of ways and I was like yeah I really like doing that I don't know how to do it but I would love to do it and yeah. so once I started like just like blogging and writing it, it w- what what started as a hobby became a passion and then graduated into an obsession. And mm-hmm. I remember when my homeboy told me, like, I love your voice. And like, and I was just like, I just needed to keep developing it. And I started freelancing more. I was writing at sites like the smoking section, which was like a huge stepping stone for me that I covered. Basically they, they let me write about whatever I wanted. And my man, uh, John Gotti, who runs the site and I still, I still uh, consider him a brother to this day. And my boy, David Dennis, who, you know, we'll, I'll talk about his book a little bit later, but that's still my brother. And like, they, they just put like batteries in my back. Like, yo, keep getting better. Keep getting better. Like, yo, you are killing like what you're writing about. And so I learned how to find my voice and like trust in it. And a lot to you not like it's 2022. A lot of these publications that I used to pitch like freelance stories to and like, yo, let me write about this. They were basically like, nah, this ain't for us. But now, you know, they they come back to me with a with a different vibe. Mm, yeah. And so mm. it's like, trust your voice, man, because I found myself at, at one point in my career, I was trying to write like other people. And I saw, and it took like Gotti one time, and I know he probably don't remember this conversation. He was like, yo, your last couple of stories have been good, but they ain't been like, Tinsley, like the Tinsley I know, like, yo, mm-hmm. just be you. Like it, it being yourself is way more um it's 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 way easier than trying to be somebody else because when you try to be somebody else, you got to be that character at all times. If you're just gonna be yourself, you you're just you. And yeah. I just trusted myself, man. And uh I was at Hampton's homecoming in 2014. It was November 2014, and it's a it was, it was at the student center day party, it was open bar, like you don't find open bars at HBCUs, bro. Not on campus. Not yeah, on campus. Yeah, yeah. The apartments across campus, sure, you can find whatever you want. Sure. But on yeah. campus, you ain't finding that. But there yeah. was an open bar for, as an alumni day party. And one of my older frat brothers came up to me. And shout out my man, Fred Davis, dog. Dude literally changed my life off a drunken conversation. And he yeah. was like, yo, Tins, I'm a big fan of your work. Because by then, I had been freelancing for about like six years. He's like, I'm a big fan of your work. Can I introduce you to somebody at ESPN? And I'm like, Fred, that's how I know we lit right now, bro. Because you asked yeah. me, can you introduce me to somebody? I mean, can you can you introduce somebody at ESPN to me? It should be the other yeah. way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it didn't happen at the party that day. But when I was going back to work that next Monday morning, because at that time I worked at the housing authority in Richmond, Virginia. And I was just, you know what I mean? That, I Shout out to that job, because that job changed my life in a lot of ways too. Just going to the different yeah. housing projects in Richmond, Virginia, just so on. And yeah. Reggie, I'm, I'm sure you you know all about that. Like you, you've heard of Gilpin Court, Mosby Court, all of that. So I, I was going yeah. there, working in the truancy program. And that, again, mm-hmm. that's another thing. So some told me, driving to work that day, was like, yo, follow up with Fred, just see what he's talking about. Followed up with him. He introduced me to this young lady who at the time was Mike Wilbon's executive assistant. And mm. she was like, yo, send me some of your writing samples. I can't promise you anything, 
but I'll, I'll send them around. And true to her word, man, true to her word, two weeks later, she was like, yo, somebody at ESPN going to call you because they're working on this uh, new website. It, it's, it didn't have a name yet, but it was the undefeated. And they want right. to get like young black writers on there. So that was November 2014, probably like right before Thanksgiving. January 5th, 2015, the day after Stuart Scott passed, I was on a one-way flight from Richmond, Virginia to Los Angeles to start my career at ESPN. And a couple of months later, hmm. I had my first story come out on ESPN.com. It was on Marvin Gaye's tryout with the Detroit Lions and how two Detroit Lions helped him record, obviously, his iconic song, What's Going On. And that's still one of my most popular articles to this day. And a lot yeah. to both of y'all not. I've been pitching that story for two years, for two mm. years, and nobody wanted it. And now, yeah. like, when I hear about people, like, oh, it's the greatest story of all time. Not greatest story of all time, but you get what I'm saying. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I hope hey. that answers your question. But, like, that's my no. story in, in, in a nutshell as well. Hey, no. more, more than answers it. And there's, like, so much to even build off of. You know, I know we got we to gotta talk about the book, so. Yeah, but uh, we'll, we'll get but, to it. We'll get to yeah, it. <laughs> man. But there was a lot packed in there, man. And and one of them actually, uh, one of them actually transitions into a question I do have. But I gotta mm -hmm. ask this first because I, I developed a new tradition recently, right? And let's I think it. I think the authors like this tradition. We're gonna see if you do too. So let's do it. The uh, at at the front of your book, right? You shout out mm -hmm. your mother and your grandmother while mentioning the unconditional love. They showed you while you were figuring out life. For um, sure. Can you talk to us about why you ultimately dedicated the book to them, and you know the impact they had on you, perhaps during the creation of uh, Ooh, of it was man. all a dream. You know, it was wild. Like I've been asked like a lot of questions about this book, but I have not been asked that question. So I think, yeah, I'm I'm glad you asked that. So I told you about those times where I was just freelancing for like six years. I was employed. I was unemployed. I was employed. I was unemployed again. And I, that happened so many times I lost count. And uh, so when my parents divorced when I was young, because I was born in North Carolina, but mm. my parents divorced and we I moved to Virginia with my mom around when I was like two years old. So I claim Virginia more than anything because that's where all my life experiences happen. And um, so I moved in with uh, my mom. Uh, I moved with my mom and then we moved into my grandmother's house in Virginia and we just stayed there. Like my mom and grandma still live together to this day. Uh, my mom, you know, she remarried, had my little brother and, you know, she got divorced again. But like my mom and my grandma, they just been um, they've been my rocks like my entire life. And so when I was going through that period of you know, post, you know, undergrad, post grad school at Georgetown. And I couldn't really figure things out. And I was not easy to live with, man, because I was just getting stressed. I was like, yo, why isn't this working out for me? Why isn't this working out? And um, they they just always took me in. They just like, yo, just come stay here till you get it figured out. Like, we know we want we know you want something different for your life. We know you want something better. But like until you find that, you always have a, a roof over your head here. And I never forgot that, man. And I was not the easiest person to live with. Man, I would come home from work a lot of days just like mad and like, man, I hate this job. Like, why am I doing this? 
And, you know, like they would try to talk me off the ledge a lot of times. And like sometimes I listen. Sometimes I would just be like, you know, in my feelings. And I really didn't hear. Yeah, what, yeah. I, at that point in time, I didn't want to hear what they had to say. But, I, you know, I, I consider myself, you know, a very easygoing person. But at that point in time in my life, I was not. You know what I mean? And I felt bad sometimes because I took my frustrations out on them. Yeah, and I would feel bad like immediately after it happened. It wasn't one of those things where like four or five years had to pass where I had to, I had an epiphany. Like I felt bad as soon as as soon as it happened, but I knew like it, it, you know, I had to dedicate the book to them because this book doesn't happen without them. So like you know, and and you know they love it too. They get to brag about it to their friends and like, yeah, hey, look, we he dedicated the book to us and. You know, yeah. they, they won't ever go into the true extent of like what I meant in that dedication, but they, they know what I meant. And now y'all know what I mean. And everybody who's watching this, they know what I mean. Hey, word, word. Go. Absolutely. Yeah. We talked to, uh, who was that? Was that Kai? Yeah. We were talking about how she had to go back in and yeah, get it right. Because uh, yeah. uh, that, that stuff matters, man. It matters to those folks who were there when you needed them the most. Mm-hmm. Um, Before day so, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's on me, I guess. <clears throat> Also, at the beginning of the book, uh, you talked about a moment of reflection in which you asked yourself how on earth you were going to tell the world (laughs) something about Biggie that they hadn't heard before. Uh, And in other interviews, I saw you talk about how when you got the email, you was like, shit, I got some time. And then, boom, pandemic. Can you talk about... Can you talk about the process of like rounding up the interviews for this book and then the decision making process about like what goes in and what stays out and the reception of uh of it, you know, from the community? Yeah. No, man, like yeah, I I, I struggle with that question a lot at the beginning. I'm like, man, like because Biggie is he's he's such a he's a folk hero at this point, you know what I mean? Like I use that term a lot, but he is he's, he's the folk mm-hmm. hero, like. There's been so many books written about, you know, just, you know, how he passed and, you know, the conspiracies around that. And there's been documentaries and there was a documentary that came out last year about it. Yeah. And, you know, he's been covered so much that I was like, man, what can I tell people about him that they don't already know? And I struggle with that. Uh, one person I do want to give a lot of credit to is... Chael Hadari Coker, who wrote the original Biggie biography, Unbelievable, in mm-hmm. 2003. And he was somebody that knew Big personally and somebody that Big trusted a lot to tell his story. And he's somebody that, you know, I'd formulated a, a good, you know, mentorship, friendship, whatever you want to call it, uh, over the years. And, you know, I was a little nervous to tell him that, you know, I'd signed a contract and I was going to write the book. But because you just don't know how people are going to respond. But yeah. he he responded with such grace, such like open arms. And he was like, yo, man, I've been saying for years, there needs to be like a real biography of Big written and not just like a who done it type type piece. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There needs to be a real one. He was like, yo, I can't think of somebody better from your generation than you to do this. And like when he said that, I was like, I still don't know what I'm going to write, but like he put that confidence in me. I'm like, yo, if he trusts me to do it and he knew Biggie personally, then, you know, I got to do this right. And um, I've always been 
uh, a fan of trying to piece together timelines, like what mm-hmm. was going on when certain things happened. And uh, I started to see, I'm like, yo, I could tell, I could tell Biggie's life front to back, you know, birth to death and, and legacy in the book, which which I believe I do. Like, uh, shout out to my man, Marvin. I see the comment right there. Uh, word, word. Like, I, I I believe I do that, but I, I think it's also important to have like a socioeconomic and a sociocultural lens as well, because then once you start to do that, it, it, it puts the context of, you know, Christopher Wallace and later Biggie Smalls' decisions in, in clear focus. Because it wasn't, his story isn't just born in Brooklyn, sold a little drugs, beef with Tupac, and then died. Like, yes, of mm-hmm. course, those are very glaring parts of the story. But, you know, it, talk about the Caribbean immigration to America. Talk about, you know, the Nixon and Reagan level disinvestment in, in communities. Talk about the financial crisis in New York that stripped so many cultural resources from these black and brown neighborhoods. And then you start to see it's like, yo, he really didn't have a choice to do what he really wanted to really wanted to do. And I felt like if I could piece that together throughout the book, that then I felt like that would be a different way to paint Biggie Smalls, Christopher Wallace in a way that hadn't been done before. And just the reception that I'm seeing from the book. Um, I was a little nervous about it at first because I oh, like yeah. the idea. I just didn't know if everybody else would. And yeah. you know, just from the the comments, the tweets, Instagram, Facebook, you know, what I mean, even LinkedIn, you know what I mean? Like, like it. Uh, the reviews that I've seen have been, you know, overwhelmingly positive. And like for my yeah. first like real biography like this, I couldn't ask for a, a better reception. Love, yeah. love. No, and and it it is well deserved. And like, like you said, that context is just really important like painting the picture and there was just so many references that like I was familiar with. Right. But it's just something it, it kind of reminded me in a way of how like, uh, like you, I know you've seen made in America, the 30 for 30 on yeah. OJ. It reminded yeah. me oh, of, yeah. of that. Right. How, oh, you know, how as recline, he yeah. paints this, like he's like, as OJ is like growing up. Right. So to speak, growing up and yeah. like leading up until, the the you know the the double murder you know the alleged yeah. you know I'm supposed to say it double murder yeah, um you know he's talking about everything that's going on like in the world right and it and it ultimately for me at least with that right it ultimately like made it all made sense and, and it and it also makes it all make sense here too so I think including yeah. just everything that was going on around big right especially like talking about limb bias in the 80s and stuff like yeah. that it just makes you think like okay like this is going on everywhere this ain't unique to brooklyn yeah. right so yo um, like when i tell you like when you mentioned the oj you know what i mean made in america yeah, like yeah, yeah. that was one of like the inspirations for what i wanted to do with this book and like i've uh, i've i've never heard this podcast is the first podcast that has like said that. And it makes, yeah, it made sense to me. And I'm so glad it made sense to y'all to do that because I, I mean, I feel like um, the, the OJ 30 for 30 is the best thing ESPN has ever done. And I, I work at ESPN. Yeah. I, I, I swear. I literally say that I've said that at least four times on air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I truly feel like that. So to have, 
you know, the book compared to it in a sense of, you know, the direction I wanted to go with the book and like the picture, the worldview picture I wanted to paint with it, man, thank you. That, oh, that, that means, I appreciate y'all boys for real. That means, that means a lot. Hey, no problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you did the work. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? We just, yeah. We're just reading it, you know? And, um, hey, nah, nah, it, it, y'all ain't just reading it, man. Y'all, look, <laughs> the feedback, the feedback means the world. It means the world. Yeah. I, I ain't write this book for nobody to read it and not offer feedback. So I, I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. brother. Of course. And, you know, um, something that you were talking about, like with your writing, you were talking about like finding your real voice, right? And, and mm -hmm. always leaning into that when you're writing. However, when we talk about rap, especially Achille and I recently, we've been talking about like personas and, and being entertainers, right? And yeah. and now I'll get to the actual question that I have here, which is, um, you know, lately lyrics have been used against rappers, right? And, and in terms of, hey, we're going yeah. to use this to put you behind bars, right? And and obviously, you know, I'm alluding to YSL here and their current legal yeah. troubles, right? Sure. Um, but you point out, and it was all a dream, that Christopher Wallace separated himself from Biggie, right? Yeah. Um, to, to paraphrase a little bit, Biggie was an entertainer, right? Christopher yeah. was like the actual human. Uh, yep. D-Rock, one of his childhood friends, who recorded a lot of the footage used and I got a story to tell, Biggie, I got a story to tell that's on Netflix, uh, talked yep. about how Christopher Wallace was a conscious person who knew what was going on while Biggie didn't give a fuck. Yeah. And I would like to know just your thoughts on this idea of the rapper entertainer being being separate, right? Or the rapper and entertainer being separate. Um, and I've gone as far as to say, at least um, just talking to Achilles on air, that I think rappers should be treated like wrestlers. You don't charge a wrestler for hitting somebody with a chair, right? I didn't see Stone Cold Steve Austin get run over by a car as part of a WWE storyline, right? <laughs> right? And, sure. you know, Rikishi, the person who allegedly did it, didn't go to jail or anything, right? Yeah. Um, oh, and, yeah, I just would like for you to talk to us about the rapper and the entertainer being separate. And, you know, of course, if you want to send a biggie in that, you know, feel yeah. free too. Yeah, man. Like, uh, man, the Stone Cold Rikishi reference, boy. That, that, that. You had, you had to. Yeah, be I was like, over. Oh, yeah, 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 No, they carried that story out, storyline out for a whole year. I was like, man, who messed my man Stone Cold up? At? Anyway, um, yeah, no, the 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 YSL situation, like, it's we've seen it so many times in rap. Uh, yeah, you know, the late and rest in peace to Drake or the Ruler, man, out from L.A. He fought a similar yeah. type of Rico charge. And, you know, they were trying to put 50, 60, 70 years lifetime on him. And he eventually beat that case. But, like, I, I think, you know, it, it's never one way or the other. You know what I mean? Like, I saw, like, right when this YSL thing happened, I saw there was a clip. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming Young Thug and I forgot who was it Gunner on there. I don't, I don't think um, it was Gunner, but it was definitely uh, Young Thug. And Wallow from Million Dollars a Game. Oh, yeah, yeah, that clip. He mm -hmm. was he was basically trying to tell them, you know, give them some game. Honestly, give them literally mm -hmm. more than a million dollars worth of game. And you know, I I don't know the the, the full extent of you know what Thug's involvement in anything was or Gunner's involvement in anything was. But yeah, rap is the rap is the only art form that is held to like this type of critical degree. You know, mm -hmm. like, I, I, again, 
I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what didn't happen, but we don't hold, you know, Quentin Tarantino on first degree murder trial for, you know, for all the, the violence in his movies. You know, right. the, these young, these young rappers, these young entertainers, they're all speaking on, you know, their, their environment. And yeah. I just, once you start to include, you know, lyrics in terms of like, oh yeah, they said this in this song in this year. So they must be talking about this body and, or this murder right here. And I, I, I have a hard time understanding how, you know, these investigations can be like, yeah, we've tracked them over 50 murders and now we're ready to charge them. So I'm like, wait, y'all let 50 bodies pile that, up? That's what I, I should, yes. You know, y'all let 50 bodies pile up before all of this? Like, like whatever, the, the first one wasn't enough. You had to get 49 more. So um, I think, too, nowadays, something that, that messes a lot of things up, uh, that, that, that makes things harder, especially for artists, and it kind of backfires for them is social media. Because mm-hmm. I, I I think they have they feel like they have to be this this person or this persona twenty four seven. Whereas you know somebody like Biggie in his day, like yes, he was very popular, he was everywhere. But you know, once Biggie got off the stage or once Biggie finished the interview, mm-hmm. he didn't have to worry about somebody filming him on a cell phone. You know, going to this club and maybe he did this yeah. or did that. So he had a chance to disconnect from being Biggie Smalls way more than a lot of artists nowadays have a chance to disconnect. And um, just in terms of him, uh, yeah, Christopher Wallace, and, you know, I say it in the book, like, he he didn't want to rap for a long time. I do believe he would have kept rapping had he, you know, had he passed, had he not passed away. Um, but he, this was a, Christopher Wallace wanted to be the suburban soccer dad. He's the guy that yeah, wanted to, like, cool. raise his kids and, like, go to all their events. Granted, he would have probably showed up at like dance recitals or football practices smelling like a pound of weed, but he would have been there. You know what I mean? He would have been been there. Um, But yeah, I think especially artists then, you had a chance to really, again, I use this word disconnect from, you know, who you had to be on the stage. And, you know, being an entertainer is no different than being, uh, only in rap, and sometimes we we, we say this and we kind of harm ourselves. It's like, oh, you got to live what you rap at all times. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, we've yeah. seen that get so many people caught up, and I, I felt, I think, even to an extent, like Tupac felt he had to live like that. And mm-hmm. you know, Tupac's yeah. one of my favorite people to ever walk the face of this planet. Um, but that rap is the only genre where you're required to be on twenty four seven. You know, yeah. like. Uh, so I hope that answers your question and oh, yeah. the YSL yeah. situation. I honestly have no clue. I mean, I heard Gunner's case got pushed back to mm-hmm. January 2023. Yeah. He don't have like, he's basically got to sit in jail. He got to sit in on him. And and apparently, um, a judge the judge denied him the bond oh, because yeah. there's a track where he mentions something about like like f the judge or whatever. So yeah, he, like. You, it, I mean, we, we know the history of rap and, and law yeah. enforcement. You know, shout out to the mm-hmm. people over at the Louder Than Riot podcast. Uh, my girl Sid Madden, my homeboy Rodney Carmichael, who did an incredible job just piecing together the history of criminal justice and its, its you, you know, its longtime perversion and angst towards hip hop. So, 
Yeah. Um, you know, for anybody wanting to learn more about that, I implore them to go listen to that podcast because it's incredible, mm-hmm. especially the three part series they did on um, Bobby Schmurder, Robbie Rebel and um, GS9. Like, yeah. it, it, that's kind of similar to what we're seeing with uh, uh, YSL right now. At least it, it obviously is not directly the same, but a lot of the, the elements that they're being charged with and. Uh, the environment that they kept around them or were raised in, it, it's it's similar in that regard. Yeah, I was thinking uh, too. Uh, for I don't know why I didn't mention this, but I've had I've had a lot of students um, mm. where they do the same thing because a lot of you know my students rap right. Um, and yeah. they, they got a pretty good handle on ways to kind of speed up the trajectory. So I've had like three students uh, get locked up in the same way, and usually, Man. like you said, what will happen is. <clears throat> Um, they'll, it's the social media that really, really like puts yeah. the last cog in the chain. They use the rap lyrics when they can't make it stick. They'll try mm-hmm. to use the rap lyrics. My students will have the guns in on their Instagram pages. Yes, yeah, they use the Instagram page. You know, they zoom in, see serial numbers scratched off, et cetera, et cetera, and then boom, yeah. so and so ain't coming to school no more. He's sitting down for seven years. You know, uh, and yeah. I forgot to mention that last time, but I we had like where I'm at right now had a really a decent growing like hip hop buzz. And when they, when they locked them up the first time, they, you know, put the lyrics up there and they put all their Instagram pictures on our local newspaper and it was a wrap, you know? So yeah, this is rough. One thing these kids got to understand, bro. Like it sounds great on a song to be like, yo man, you know, so-and-so didn't, he was solid. Didn't say anything. He did 10, 15 years, whatever the case may be. Like, I got a couple of homeboys who are locked up right now and they all tell me the same thing, the same exact thing. It's like, yeah, it's cool when you on the streets mm-hmm. and when you in there and you got to do that time, you got to do that time by yourself. By so yourself, all that love son. that you was getting on the streets for mm-hmm. this, that, and the third and whoever was showing you love, like the, you know, the people you was interested in, uh, like friendship wise, romantically wise, like all that stopped when you go to jail. And they don't yeah. they don't tell you about that part. Yeah. And nah. so but so social media, bro. I've seen social media take down more people than than I have, you know, just with lyrics in a song. Like Drewski got a really use. funny like skit about it. Like it's funny, but it's funny because it's true. Like it's him and like mm-hmm. I guess a couple of his homeboys, they're dressed as like cops and they're just like, Oh, yeah, and they got it. the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, we got him now. It's just like we got him now. That's sick. Like yeah. you can't leave the breadcrumb trail for them. Like they're already following you. You're just making they're their job. Already easy. following. I tell yeah. the kids that every day. They're yeah. already following you. You know, you you just make it easy. And like you said, I, I put that in um we did the read the other day. One of my kids got locked up because the kids was pumping him up and he brings a weapon to school. Um and I was one of the oh first people gosh. he called um when he when he got out, but he was like, uh, I'm out now and no one loves me like they said they did. And time moves yeah. so slow in that cell. And yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everybody, claim, everybody claim to be real until they start hanging them numbers over your head. And it's just mm-hmm. like the thing if, if kids realize on the streets, they feel irreplaceable. But when you go in, you are the exact definition Obviously. of replaceable. <laughs> replaceable like, yeah. uh, we'll just move on to whoever else got a buzz at this point. We'll move on to whoever yep. else will do this for me or do that for me. So yeah. Man, I'm I'm sorry to hear about that, man. Like that's I just oh, man. that's I, a story I hate hearing about. It's it's it's, it's so 
unfortunately common. You know, yeah. So. yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. sad part. Um, so it's on me, yeah, yeah, it is. All right, hold on, let me see. I had it pulled here. We go, we got David Dennis Jr. on the oh, check in. My guy, my guy, David Dennis. yeah, man, shout yes. out. My man went around the horn today. You know, hey, yeah. hey. tell them yeah. the truth. Yeah. Man, around the horn today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, man. yeah, there we go, yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Yeah, 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 buddy. So, uh, yeah, I got a chance to talk to David Dennis Jr. on my platform of Black Man Reading. Uh, and we discussed this book, uh, yeah, 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 and his journey towards understanding the world we now live in and how it shaped his life and his relationship with his father. I learned a lot sure. about the ways policy shaped the civil rights movement. And your book is doing a lot of the same work where you, we already kind of talked about this, but you detail yeah. what was in the backdrop of Big's upbringing uh, in a way that's just super poignant. Um, you connect uh, in the book, you said that connect the dots throughout history and undeniable trend emerges. You really start at 1619 and take us all the way up to Reagan. Uh, you show yeah. us the, how those uh, how those conditions affect the Christopher uh, and the um, and the nation. What yeah. I wanted to know um, is I, I watched you talk at I think Shorenstein Center um, mm-hmm. at Harvard Kennedy School about the connection between social activism and popular culture. Yeah, how does this open up a conversation about what occurred in America and how it continues to occur in reference to today? Um, and things like, you know, George, uh, what happened with George Floyd and, yeah. um, and all those other things. Yeah. You know, to answer that question, I, th- I think it's poignant to start off with, we were just talking about like some of your students, like they were rapping and, you know, then, you know, they get caught up and then they got to sit down for a little bit. We, we see these stories and we read these headlines of like, you know, so-and-so goes to jail for X amount of years and for whatever they did. And we like, oh, that person, yeah, they, they messed up. Like that, that's, that's wrong of them to do that. And Mm -hmm. sure that, that may be true to an extent or in a case, but we got to realize like a lot of these young kids, man. And and the same was true with Christopher Wallace back in the eighties. Like they didn't start this war. They're just merely soldiers in the war. And soldiers are always going to get caught up more than generals and lieutenants. Like, because it's easier to catch a soldier. It's easier to kill a soldier than, you know, the person calling the shots. And that's why it was was important for me in the book to to talk about, like, all of these different things. Like, if we're going to talk about Christopher Wallace selling drugs... And, you know, selling drugs within his own community. And I think we can admit that, like, yes, that that is bad. I get that. But, you know, this this started because I don't want to say it started, but you can trace this back to something that uh, something something that happened even before he was born. You know, Richard Nixon had, uh, you know, recommendations on his desk from his own drug enforcement task force. that was like, yo, maybe we don't need to penalize drug users. Maybe we should get them rehabilitation and help. And what did he do? He was like, nah, let's mm-hmm. let's throw them all in jail. Let's let's monetize this. And then you can go to Richard Nixon and what they did. Like Christopher Wallace was just a soldier in a war that he inherited. And yeah. same way with so many other like young black boys and young black girls, not just in Brooklyn, but it was in Philadelphia. It was in Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Compton, Chicago, Houston. Where, I mean, pick a city, pick a town like it, it mm-hmm. rinse and repeat. So. 
um, social activism and, and, and pop culture have always gone hand to hand. In a lot of ways, it's it, it, it's it's worked wonders in educating people on these societal ills. Like NWA's first first album, Straight Outta Compton, like they predated the 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 the, the riots, the LA riots. Yeah. Like they told you, like yo, if y'all don't address this stuff, this is a bomb that's going to explode. Like they told you, F the police. I think F the police is one of the most important, you know, socio, cultural, political statements that has ever been made. Like people, yeah. people hear the uh, the title F the police and be like, oh well, you know, this is we shouldn't play this song. But no, listen to the words in particular. Listen to Ice Cube's verse. Ice Cube told mm -hmm. you everything that was going to happen. So I mean, these things are always intertwined. And you know, just to go back on your previous questions and just tie it into this. I think to me, one of the most powerful things I realized while researching this book was was tying in Ready to Die with the 94 crime bill. You know, like yeah. I didn't realize that well, I knew you know, I knew September 13th was Ready to Die's release date, but I did not realize that was the exact same day that the 94 crime bill was passed. So, like when we hear the legacy of this piece of legislation, excuse me, legislation, and we hear the term super predators, and we hear you know how Congress it, it, it tries to instill fear in the American public, like oh these people will rob and kill you, like every person from this type of neighborhood and this type of upbringing. Like this th this bill is to make sure they don't harm you, and we know you is middle America, white America, things like that. So mm -hmm. when you you hear that crime bill and, and you listen to Ready to Die under that pretense and under that context, it's a totally different sounding album. When you listen to Things Done Change, it's basically Biggie saying like, yo, things have gotten worse because we have less, you know, yeah. like the same stuff you stripped out of our neighborhoods. You're trying to like criminalize us for a latching on to like really the only resources we have in these neighborhoods to make any real form of money, which is, you know, dealing drugs. And of course, that comes with its own set of consequences, whether it's, you know, rival crew, whether it's, you know, the police or at, at worst death. So social mm -hmm. activism and pop culture have always run in parallel lanes because I believe pop culture and in, in, in particular hip hop, when it's done at its best, it's, it's, it's a certain form of critique that doesn't have to censor itself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, that's Mike. Mike clipped that that up right there. Yeah, yeah, I like, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, for sure. A form for of sure. critique that doesn't have to censor itself. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah, man. No, I, I was, I, I put that in the notes already, man. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what I wanted to ask about because you mentioned your research, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious because one thing that I've heard, like, and, th and this is more so, I guess, like the, the, um the scholar who's in like academia or whatever, there's yeah. been concern about like so much of the content that we'll have to mind moving to digital spaces. Right. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of things that a lot of times uh, I guess scholars have used letters in the past. I heard Mark Lamont Hill talk about this on his pod, coffee and books. I forget yep. who the guest was, but they were talking about that. And I never thought about it. Just how, important it is to be able to go through like James Baldwin's letters, right? Or Chester Himes yeah. letters or whatever yeah. the case may be. But I found your approach very interesting because, you know, I'm reading your book and it's like, oh, the drink champs is mentioned. Jesus and Miro yeah. is mentioned, right? So many yeah. 
one, I'm like, wow, so many like black platforms, right? Black and brown or whatever platforms are are mentioned here, right? But then I also was thinking about just you adapting to the times, I guess, in terms of your research. Um, I was curious about that. Like, like what was what was your research process like? I know you um, you know, met with people and stuff too, but how yeah. did you feel like I guess having podcast appearances to mine through? Did you feel like it was, I guess, innovative in a way? Like, like just what was going through your mind when you realized, like, wow, like this is literally a historical document that I can include yeah. in my book when looking at uh, Drink Champs and other uh, platforms? I mean, I, I treated it, you know, just like, you know, anything else. You know, like yeah. obviously I, I was quoting stuff from uh, the New York Times in 1971 and, you know, things like that. But, you know, we're not this podcast as well like yeah i hope some i hope somebody uses a quote from this podcast at some point because these are all you know they're documenting the moment which is yeah. the same thing that you know james baldwin was doing with his letters at that point in time the same thing martin luther king was doing with like his letter from like a birmingham jail like he was just documenting what he was going through in the moment he was speaking on what and of course i'm not comparing you know drink champs to letter from a birmingham jail but like you know, when people talk about these type of things and I knew there was a part in a Drink Champs episode about Biggie or there was a part in a Deezus and Mero episode about Biggie. These are in their own way, like historical artifacts. And they if, they, if they provided further insight into what I was writing about and would give me help me paint a clearer picture, then I would use it in the same way I would use. Uh, you know, something from the Washington Post in the 1980s, like because they're, they're both yeah. historical records or historical documents of the moment. And mm -hmm. so like that, that's the thing, like technology advances all the time. There was at one point all we had was newspapers in this country. Then radio came along. And then, mm -hmm. you, you know, we started to see people, you know, quoting radio shows and yeah. then TV came along. And then the Internet came along and now podcasts are here and whatever it's going to be in 20, 30 years from now, people are going to be quoting that. So it's just, it's just an advancement of communication. And, you know, if Stevie J wants to say something in a Deezus and Mero episode about Biggie and, you know, his antics in the studio, that's just as valuable as reading about Biggie in the studio in the source in 1994. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the same yeah. thing. It's, providing insight you know it's, yeah. it's all the same thing it's just presented in a different way and yeah. and I, and i guess the reason why i felt the need to ask that question is because you know when i'm younger and i'm turning in papers and stuff like that it's yeah. always like hey you got to make sure it's a valid source right yeah. and um i mean I, of course i think it's valid but i just was imagining like my younger self like saying hey i actually learned this information yeah. from like you know from nori and them yeah like yeah. i mean I, look that my, my teachers always told me, yo, cite your sources. Like wherever you yeah. get it from, just cite your source. And yeah, if if the source is Cameron talking about him freestyling for for mm -hmm. in the bed with two women for 30 yeah. minutes, and it was said in a in a drink champs episode, I'm not yeah. making that quote up. This yeah. is yeah. somebody that this said it, and I can enough. link to where he actually said it, the timestamp mm -hmm. and everything. So yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, it'd be interesting to see how teachers grade papers nowadays. But going yeah. like writing a book, I, I, I didn't have any thoughts oh, yeah. about it. I just thought it, it would, yeah. it would make the book like, damn, like this shit is like super recent. Like he's quoting like Drink Champs and Rap Radar podcasts, and 
You know what I mean? Yeah. These is a Mero episode. So like all of these things are, are important to the culture in their own way. And they provide insight. Again, they provide insight. You provide insight, then you're credible to me. So look, as a lifelong student, uh, you know, a PhD candidate currently, you can, you, they use them now. It took me until um, yeah. my master's program to realize I could use it though. Right. Like, cause you know, when yeah. you, I don't know if y'all had this experience, but you had school and you know, you get, kind of playing it safe so you kind of you stick it to the books and the, and the articles at the at whatever platform they have but then yeah. i had one of my um one of my master's teachers was like um you know yeah you could you could use if that's what you into you could use a podcast i was like i can do a I love I can it. Do a what? Really? Show me you know that. how to cite that joint you know once i learned how to <laughs> yeah. cite it it was a wrap but i would yeah. have that would be my whole thing because i remember i did a a thing on um um, when Buddy uh, finessed Howard, I think it was Howard out of all that, out of oh, all that money, yeah, yeah, yeah that, was that was one of my favorite. I did a, I did a presentation on it. The uh, PowerPoint slide said Howard, the Black Harvard, and I had, uh, you know, I'm in a PWI. She was like, and, and I have a man yeah. that picture when he was jumping in the air in the, yeah, in the pit. Hey. I was go, I went. That was one of my I'm, favorite I'm assignments. I'm presenting facts to you. Like, hey, look! I'm so blown away at the end of that. But they still yeah. facts. My man yeah, was yeah. living too, boy. Yeah, well, he, he was his. I wanted to be living his life. I was yeah, like, he, he was he he lifestyle of the rich and famous for sure. He went for it, dog. He went <laughs> for it. Man. He just go for it. He got it until he couldn't get it no more. But he, boy, yeah, man. he was living life for a minute. You know how you know how they'd be like future like birth this generation of rappers. I feel like yep. Buddy birthed the scamming generation. No, like, you he, know, he like is, he is the OG <laughs> scammer of the, yeah. of the internet OG, era. Sure. Yeah. They all fall under my man. Yo. At least of the Instagram Word. era, he's the OG scammer of the yeah. Instagram. Like, he, he he definitely deserved. Yeah. I don't I'm know if he deserves flowers. I don't know what the equivalent of flowers would be in this situation. But yeah, like commissary. Yeah. I don't know. But you know, yeah, I guess you know. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Let me see. Let me see. Uh, let's see. Because it's on me now, ain't it, Rich? It is, man. Yep. All right. All right. So this um, get to know me, man. To know me is to love me. Yeah. Um, earlier, I talked about how you wondered what you could possibly write about a man who's been written about, interviewed, had a movie, documentary. I mean, you name it, right? For sure. And I think uh, I mentioned this earlier, but your book has a surprising way, has a, a way of surprising the reader. And the detailed way you depicted his childhood, his early childhood, was just very special and eye-opening for me. Uh, and it humanized a human that is often deified in a way. Yeah. What was it like receiving that story from the mouths of some of his closest friends and living with it as you put it all down? Because it's like, I think you mentioned this too in the book. Like, you know, we you 36, I'm 35. Um, Reggie is somewhere around early 30s. <laughs> 32. Um, yeah. And um, we knew we were, you know, we were here. But we yeah. weren't, you know, in our 20s when it happened. And so, like, to kind of go back through and then get to know him from this childhood perspective, what was it like receiving that from his closest friends and putting it all down? Man, it was everything, bro. It was everything. Yeah. It, it, it felt like I was getting access to a to a part about his story. I don't want to say it wasn't known, but I felt like it was a part of his story that, you know, it was grossly undertold. Yeah. You know? I, I knew eventually I'd get to the music. I'd get to the Biggie Smalls era. It's like, which is still 
equally as important. But like, if we're gonna, you know, raise up Biggie Smalls like that, we got to know where he came from and the decisions that he made, and just not even just like the major moments of his childhood, but just like reading through Valletta Wallace's memoir and be like he watched a movie that she told him not to watch, and then he ran into mm-hmm. a room because he was having nightmares or something like, yo, like. We've all been kids at, at, at a certain point or watched a movie that we shouldn't have watched. And we had to run to our parents' room. And it's just like, that was important for me to show that because I wanted like, yo, Christopher Wallace was a human just like the rest of us, bro. Like, And yeah. I, I felt like when you show somebody those really personal and intimate moments, uh, you, know, you know, from young childhood to, uh, you know, middle school young adolescents like that that's where you really start to understand your place in the world even if it may be confusing and i I felt like that was that was just as important to me as anything in the book because Mm -hmm. uh you you said it yourself when we were talking like this is a man who's been you know i wanted to humanize him but he's been basically seen as like a damn near like a religious figure um yeah what he accomplished in his life and that is true but in the same way i try to do with like his relationship with tupac like if we subject biggie smalls to just like the high points and salacious parts of his life we're stripping him of his humanity and when you strip somebody of their humanity you don't really look at him like a human anymore you look at him as Mm -hmm. like this caricature of of themselves or like this you know, flawed superhero. He was a flawed superhero, but like he was also a human at the end of the day. And so painting his childhood and painting other parts of his life with a different type of brush that than has previously than has previously been done, I felt like that was my way in to do something different. So like when you read the part, like I've I've had people come up to me like I've never heard his childhood spoken uh in, in that type of depth before. Like you know, yeah. just running around with his friends in middle school and like they're playing video games. And then somebody the was like, Yo, have you ever seen this Playboy magazine? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. damn, like he was a kid just like anybody else. So that was that was deeply important to me to try to do that, that you know, the best I could. And, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased with how it came out. Yeah. Right. And I, I like especially the part where you're like, like dehumanization works in multiple forms and that's something that i really believe in right a lot of people think of dehumanization as oh i'm assigning only negative characteristics to someone and i always like kind of respond to that and i say if you only apply positive characteristics to someone you're also dehumanizing them yeah because Mm -hmm. we're we're full of good bad and everything in between and all of which should be acknowledged And and it doesn't make you good bad or in between just makes you human yeah, it just makes you human. It's just like the same way I talked about uh, with him and Kim's relationship. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no way to everybody knows, you know, what their relationship was like. It, it, it was prolific. It was it, it made for like great music. And like they obviously deeply cared for each other. They just had they had a weird way of showing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like you can't talk about. I would be doing the book a disservice if I didn't, like you just said, Reggie, like if I just talked about positive things, like this book is in no way a hit piece, but like if no. you present the book in in, in, a, in an honest manner, people won't think that, but like I'd yeah. be, I couldn't talk about Biggie's career and everything he experienced. And I definitely couldn't bring 
Lil' Kim into the picture without talking about their relationship. Yes, talk about the great times and talk about like how she still rides for him to this day, both of which are true. But like she's also talked about the, you know, the not so flattering parts about their relationship mm -hmm. and also understanding, like give grace to like. And this is not making an excuse for him by any stretch of the imagination, but these were like damn near barely 20 year olds I was when they say, were yeah. In, yeah. in the spotlight. You know, like they didn't always make the right choice. And you would hope by, you know, if Biggie lived to be 50, he could be like, you know what? I was tripping on that. I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. And but yeah, it, it's it's like you said, yes, dehumanization works in, in both ways, positive and negative. Right. And I think that's very powerful. I'm glad you said that because I've never said it like that, but that is that's very powerful how you broke it down. Word, I appreciate word. you saying it, man. Um, so we we down, we made it to the pop culture roundup, man. I mean, I, okay. I, I got right. I know I got at least 50 11 more things I could be saying. Respectful of your time and everything. So um what has been uh, some some good music you've been listening to recently, and when you share this with us, it can be just a song you got on repeat. It can be albums, you know, an yeah. artist, you know, what uh, yeah. what's some good music? You, you got a mixtape coming out? I mean, no, you know, no, 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 was no like, I'm not trying to ruin my goodwill right here. But, oh God, like, no, no, I don't have that. Um, what about? Obviously, I've definitely been listening to the Kendrick album and uh, trying to unpack that like it, it, Kendrick's made heavy albums before but this one is particularly heavy for for a lot mm -hmm. of reasons I've been listening to that um I still have uh the the Pusha album on, on repeat mm -hmm. um something I've been listening tried. to a lot lately uh I've been listening to the first Dom Kennedy from the west side with love yes <laughs> so like I, I've been going back and listening to that so that's been fire Dom um, is the homie yeah, man, like that. That's super. Like, man, I've been listening yeah. to you know what I mean because I, I read like this long form article on like Donna Summer recently and just about her life and just and then you know the obstacles she's gone through. Um, uh, also shout out to my my former editor and one of my really good friends, Danielle Smith, for her book Shine Bright. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah, like yeah. that 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 book has caused me to go back and revisit so many catalogs. Donna Summer being one of them. Um, so yeah, I've been listening to, yeah, her, um, her too, like the artist, her, but I was we were saying her, right. in terms of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, mm. yeah, uh, I honestly, man, I still got that, that Jasmine Sullivan hotels drawn on repeat. I think that was such yeah. a, a wonderfully done it was. and beautiful album. Like if black men ever wanted to be a fly on the wall for like what black <laughs> women talk about in group chats, I feel like that's the closest representation of it. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Just, just definitely, and obviously a lot of big, you know. Yeah, for, for of course, reasons. of course. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's what I've been listening to. So that's the music, uh, film or TV, good film or TV you've been uh, taking in lately. Man, uh, I, you know, outside of the playoffs, um, <laughs> I mean that counts too. That's TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. I tell you something I'm looking forward to. I just found out today that on June 16th, the Martin reunion is going to be airing. So yeah. I will be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm really, really looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, what else, man? Uh, man, what's the, what's that crazy ass reality show my wife and I watched that was like, um, it's like a dating show. You want to, you, 
these couples go in, one person in the couple wants to get married, and then the other one is unsure, and then they date other people in front of them. Uh, what, I know, I know they, what you're talking about because I've seen the um, they host yeah. it. Uh, I, I feel like I seen the trailer on Netflix, but I, like I cannot like that. Yeah, All yeah I I Nick and Vanessa Lachey are are terrorists, bro. Like they they present themselves <laughs> in this happy marriage, bro. They just do these shows that have the wildest <laughs> premises, and I ain't gonna lie to you, I watch, I binge watch all of them. So that's like yeah. my guilty pleasure. Um, is it the ultimatum? That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yo, the Shout ultimatum. Out to me. Why? Yeah, thank you, Megan. Um, yeah, that, so definitely, you know, keep trying to keep up with Snowfall. Um, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. The ultimate. Appreciate you, Megan. Um, yeah, it, it, I think yeah, and I'll be watching some other random stuff. I, it, yeah, I can't remember yeah. anything else. <laughs> nah, no yeah. worries, no worries. And then, uh, book, book. We always ask that too. Um, any any books? I know you might say yours, you know, but uh, but any, yeah, any nah, books no, we, we already we already talked about mine a lot. Uh, oh, um, Sean Bright. Yeah, Sean Bright from um, Danielle Smith. Obviously, we mentioned my my brother David Dennis. Man, the movement made us like that's gonna be that's gonna be one of them books, man. They teach for like the next 20, 30, 40 years, bro. It's so much like it's so much game in that book, and it's very rare that we get people from that era, uh, especially now because you know they're getting older, and mm-hmm. like it's very rare that we get such an intimate, you know look and access into like a period of America that changed uh, that changed the world to be honest with you so that um my boy Garrett Kennedy did a really really good book on um Whitney Houston it was like a cultural analysis mm-hmm. early oh, called yeah. didn't we almost have it all uh about Whitney so that was you know th- that's just yeah I, if you haven't read that I suggest you read it because it, it break it's not a traditional biography of Whitney in the sense of life to death um, but it's more so taking different parts of Whitney's life and giving like a cultural analysis. And I think Garrick is one of the, the the best in the world at doing what he does. And he proves it in, in that book. So Word. Uh, and he, yeah. he, uh, he, he also has this book of uh, parental advisory to us. Yeah. Read that NWA, one, yeah. Read and uh, he was on your pod too. the, uh, the yeah. pod. He gave a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Garrick, Garrick is such a, I mean, he's such a, a a cultural guru on so many different things that, like, you know, whenever I need him, I, I just go to Garrett because I know he's gonna he's gonna give me something dope and he's gonna give me something that I, I'm I'm not even smart enough to think of on my own. So I shout out <laughs> to Garrett Kennedy. For sure. Word. Yeah. So me, huh? Yeah. So so tell us uh, who you would like to see as a guest on Books Are Pop Culture, but the person has to be someone who you would be willing to connect us with in the event that we need help getting connected. Oh yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, and this would be dope. Cause this book comes out in August, uh, right ahead of uh football season. Um, and I'm not even doing this cause he's uh, my colleague at Anscape. He's just one of my really, really good friends and an incredible reporter, Jason Reed. He's doing a mm. book on like the history of a uh, black quarterback in the NFL and like basically tracing it from the first to the current day and really giving it like a, a cultural, political and social lens of how like, you know, the, the progress of the black quarterback has, you know, kind of run parallel with American history progress or like thereof. So that book comes out, I believe, like August 4th. 
So his that'll that'll be great in time for football season. And he he can he can tell you so many stories, not just about black quarterbacks, but just about football. He used to cover baseball. Like the dude is just he 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 can talk about sports in ways that that are just phenomenal. And I, I'd be more than willing to put you in touch with with uh, my man Jay Reed. Jay Reed, that sound like that's gonna be tough. No, that is gonna be yeah, tough. No, it's gonna I be tough. Is, that book, that book's gonna be tough for sure. I know it is, man. Word, word. And um, okay. So the last, last thing we asked is probably the easiest. Um, you know what's next for Justin Tinsley that you're able to share with us? Um, and also, yeah. um, just let people know if you know if for some reason this is their first time coming to contact with you. Let them know where they can follow you or connect with you if they want to. Okay. Yeah. So I'm on a two book deal with my publisher, and I'm trying to figure out what the next book is going to be like. I'm trying to speak this into the universe. Like I would love to do an auto and it's an autobiography, not a biography, mm-hmm. but an autobiography. Cause I want this person to tell their own story in their own words. And I would, you know, help them, you know, gather as together. told to kind of like I'm Malcolm yeah. X. Yeah. yeah. And, and, as, and as told to for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, an autobiography of Allen Iverson. Like I would Ooh. love, yeah, I would, I would love, love, love to do that, that. too. Yeah. yeah. Like, so if y'all know anybody to know AI and he's yeah, looking to do a book, like tell him to hit me. Like we can use the Virginia connection. We can do whatever we need to do. Um, yeah. That's uh, as of right now, that's not my next book, but you know, yeah, I, I you like putting like it that. out there. Um, so I got to figure I I figure, you know, by mid end of summer, I'll have an idea and firm, firm idea in place of what I want to do. But, you know, I just got some stories I'm working on for the undefeated in terms of just like profiles that I want to, uh, excuse me, Anscape. I still say the undefeated um, uh, that I want to do uh, just music profiles. Uh, I want to do something on the 2001 ABCD camp in Jersey. They kind of, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. it changed uh, the course of basketball history. It's, it's when basically LeBron stamped himself as the best player in the country in, in, in his legendary uh, matchup with uh, Lenny Cook, who was the number one player in the country at that point. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out something dope to do around that. But, yeah, that, that's, that's what I really got, you know, cooking in my head right now. And in terms of where to find me, I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram, and it's real easy, honestly. It's just at Justin Tinsley. So it's, it's my name. Yeah. So. Word, word. Nice. Well, uh, Thank you, Justin. Thank you for your book. Um, yes, thank yeah. you for your time. You should get your copy of It Was All a Dream from bookshop.org slash shop slash books of pop culture if you haven't already. Yes, um, read it because he did a wonderful job uh, painting a full picture of a legendary figure. Humanizing mm-hmm. it, with the good, bad, and everything in between a legendary figure. Um, once again, he's Justin Tinsley. He's a killer Missouri, or he's a killer Missouri, whatever way I should be pointing. I'm Reggie <laughs> Bailey. Um, thank you for tuning in to Books of Pop Culture. We'll see y'all soon. Peace.